To people living in the West, it used to be mysterious and slightly scary. Today, it's one of the modern capitals of the world. Join me as we visit Moscow in Russia. I'm Gary Bembridge, and this is Tips for Travelers, the global travel destination podcast. Each month, a new destination is featured with recommendation, advice, and tips based on the first-hand travel experience I gain from the two to three times a month I travel all over the world. You may also want to check out the Tips for Travelers video podcast, a sister podcast which features videos I've made of hotel rooms or attractions with commentary and recommendations linked to the destination featured each month in this audio podcast. To find out more, visit tipsfortravelers.com. For travelers is spelt with two L's, the UK way, or email me at gary at mytravelreviews.co.uk. You can subscribe to one or both of the podcasts by searching for Tips for Travelers or Gary Bembridge on iTunes or your favorite podcast directory. In this edition of Tips for Travelers, we are going to be talking about Moscow, the capital of Russia, the ex-capital of the USSR. And as I mentioned in the preamble, it kind of used to be synonymous with mystery, with spies, with all kinds of James Bond-esque type things in the time of the Cold War. Of course, today, Moscow is now one of the major capitals of the world and a very wealthy capital, of course, because of the huge oil and other kind of natural resources that Russia has to offer. This podcast and review of Moscow is based on the third trip that I've actually made to Moscow. But I was thinking about the last time that I'd been to Moscow and realized it was probably about eight or nine years ago, and I'd been twice in relatively quick succession. And so I'd expected to see very dramatic changes to the to the city, largely based on experiences of other very fast-growing and changing towns and cities like Shanghai, etc. And undoubtedly, Moscow is a very different city. There's probably much more money. There's probably much more um, modern f- buildings. There's more modern th- shops. There's more modern hotels. But largely speaking, the overall kind of look of Moscow hasn't changed as, say, dramatically as Shanghai or one of those places. And it still overall kind of has a sense of grayness and drabness. But that's quite strange in a way because of the overall kind of political and social, etc. change that's happened. It still, though, is a very fascinating place to visit. The thing that reminded me, actually, when going to Moscow was you still get a sense of not actually being terribly welcome as a visitor. It's a relatively troublesome process to get a visa to visit Moscow. You have to get various documents. You have to get various kind of uh, like a, a number from Russia. And if you're going there for business, it's even more complicated. You have to get letters and all sorts of things. And it's a relatively expensive and quite complicated process in terms of getting visas. So it does it does feel a little bit unwelcoming and a little bit not scary is probably the wrong thing to say. But there's quite a lot of bureaucracy and a, a, a sense of difficult difficulty around actually getting into the into the place. Of course, Moscow is a city of extremes in many ways. Extremes of weather. So in summer, it can be very hot, 
very oppressive. In winter, it can be incredibly cold, you know, minus 17 degrees Celsius. But also, it's a city of extremes. There's a lot of people with incredibly huge amounts of money and a lot of people with none. And there's a sense of there's kind of almost um, no middle class, unlike in Shanghai and stuff. And I'm sure a middle class is growing, but there's a sense of there's a lot of money uh, on one hand, so a lot of very rich upper class people, and then there's kind of the other people, if, if you like. And, and you see that even with the restaurants, for example, where there's these very shishi, amazing restaurants, which maybe 10 or 12 years ago almost didn't exist, but they are incredibly expensive. And kind of linked to that, is Moscow is a very expensive city to visit. And in some ways you kind of wonder how people almost survive. And I guess maybe that's because as a tourist you're only exposed to certain things. The hotels, certainly at the upper end, where you really want, kind of want to stay, and I'll talk about that a bit later, but the hotels are very expensive. Cabs and things are very expensive. Restaurants are very expensive. And even within the kind of hotel, things are very expensive. It's quite, a, it's quite difficult, if you like, to have an inexpensive a holiday or an expensive trip there. There are, of course, some some very funky, very trendy places, and you know, so people have money and people can, you know, there's a whole elite, I guess, or a group of people that can really take advantage of it. Probably one of the most notable things, and this is often true of many modern cities these days, though, but the traffic in Moscow is terrible. It really, really is terrible, and I guess that's a sign of of the pace of growth, but. When you kind of look around at the city, you, you do get a kind of feeling that there hasn't been that much investment in infrastructure. So although there's been a lot of money coming in, you get a sense that there's, it's not being pumped back into building new infrastructures. Although I'll talk a little bit later again about things like the airports, where there's some of, kind of some investment going on. But generally places like airports and roads and infrastructure seems to be kind of static if you like and particularly when you've got a booming city like this it doesn't seem to be growing as, as, as fast as it could be so so traffic is really bad and when you talk to russian colleagues and people there what they would say is you know you kind of have to assume this can take you a long time to get around the city because it is just there's lots of people and, and lots going on and in some ways and i'll talk about it a little bit later again is is things like the metro which is very efficient and very cheap things like that it starts to become more and more attractive but you do also get a real sense of things changing so fast. Uh, you know, for example, one of the most noticeable things is probably kind of the whole shops and shopping setup. You know, things like the pharmacies and some stores. I mean, eight, nine, even ten years ago, I remember going into pharmacies where everything would, would be very much behind the counter and you just very cumbersome process where you would go in and you would decide what you wanted and then you'd go and pay separately and then you'd go back to the woman at the counter and get the product you want. Whereas nowadays it's very sleek, it's very modern, there's all international brands. And actually that's one thing that did strike me a lot actually about Russia, say different to uh, Shanghai or China, is in the supermarkets, particularly when you talk about things like toiletries or skincare or beauty care products, those kinds of things, there didn't seem to be any local brands, any traditional local brands. All the brands kind of were Western brands, mostly European or the big kind of Procter & Gamble type brands, Unilever type brands, Johnson & Johnson type brands. You didn't get a sense that there was a lot of history or local brands, whereas in China you do get some very powerful kind of local historical brands. It does seem very much international uh, new brands. There's a lot of people in Moscow. It's a very big city, and one of the things that's very clear 
is, you know, everybody you asked or I asked, like, how, how many people live in Moscow, I got very different and very, very, very varying sort of sense of size of, of uh, population. You know, is it 10 million? Is it 15 million? Is it more? And that's partly because although in theory the average income of the you know people living in moscow say around $500 that's 500 US dollars but actually the black economy what people will tell you the black economy is a very big part of what goes on in russia so actually the amount of tax that the state collects is probably a very small percentage of the real economy so in russia it's quite difficult sometimes to lock down and get some sense of of facts and and size and how many people etc are involved so it's a very interesting place you know when you kind of arrive and, and come through it, it does feel and admittedly I was there in winter it does feel like it hasn't really changed that much in terms of you know lots of apartment blocks lots of kind of traditional sort of Russian type architecture and yet it's clearly underneath that all is a sense of you know there's a there's a lot of modernness there's a lot of wealth there's a lot of uh, richness there's amazing trendy restaurants that kind of thing but anyway let's talk more now about what are my tips for travelers visiting moscow so here are my tips for travelers to Moscow in Russia. My first tip is around the whole process of getting there. I've already mentioned earlier on about some of the challenges and planning that it takes in terms of making sure you get a visa. Now, the easiest visa to get is a tourist visa, and there are many uh, businesses that will help you get a visa, and it's probably easiest to actually go through those because there's certain forms you download and you have to submit them typed and all that kind of stuff. So it's probably easiest to go through someone who can help facilitate getting a visa. And it's very simple to find those. I discovered, you know, if you Google it or whatever, you know, Visas for Russia, you'll find lots of businesses and things set up to help you kind of get through that process. It was relatively expensive in the end. I, I actually went on a tourist visa and it ended up costing me around about 200 pounds by the time someone had helped and I guess the fees etc so that's about 400 dollars now that may be high I'm not sure because I tried to do it in a relatively quick turnaround because with all the traveling I do I didn't have much time to to send my passport in but it was a relatively expensive process now a lot of people going there on business find it even more difficult because you have to get certain documentation you have to get letters from people in Russia there's a number you have to get which uh, from Russia which confirms that you have a booking in an approved hotel and you even have to have that if you're going there on a tourist visa so one of the critical things is you need to make sure that you allow a lot of time and planning to get the visa some of the people that I was meeting on there in Russia had you know and they were they were coming from the US and I guess they weren't used to visas and things like that and they'd sort of assumed well I'll give myself a couple of days before I go I'll get a visa and there was this mad mad panic you know sort of uh, about five days before we went um, desperately trying to get visas and all the documentation and that was compounded by the fact that it was kind of public holiday time in Russia so visas it's it's it, it requires a bit of research it requires a bit of planning and it probably means you know getting someone to help you out with that so 
very important about the visas and the importance of, of visas and checking those out. And you know, rules and regulations do evolve, so make sure that you kind of check online. There's a lot of information on, on, online in that and related to the specific country. Now, there are a couple of airports serving Moscow, but the two main ones that seem to deal with kind of flights coming in from Europe or internationally, although I think I'm right in saying actually that no U.S. carrier flies directly into into Moscow. So all of our U.S. friends and colleagues had to fly in via kind of European hub cities. So I'm not sure if that's 100% true, but that seemed to be the, the sort of the story. Now, as I said, there's two main airports serving Moscow, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of these, so I do apologize. Um, there's the, the Domo, or Domo di Vodo, D-O-M-O-D-E-D-O-V-O, and there's Sheremetevo, uh, S-H-E-R-E-M-E-T-Y-E-V-O. And you can find those online. Um, and uh, now that I've butchered that, that whole pronunciation, you'll never be able to find them. But th- there are two airports, um, and they are relatively far out of town. Now, I, I actually flew into uh, what I call Domo Airport, which is where the airlines like British Airways, British Midland, flying from Heathrow seem to fly into. But many of the other European airlines seem to fly into the other airport, Sheremetevo. Now, it took me about an hour to get from uh, Domo Airport into town. And there was very light traffic at that time. Uh, with the Sheremetzo, as I've heard, it can take you know an hour and a half, two hours sometimes again because of traffic. So when you're flying in, assume that it's going to take you a good hour to two hours to get from the airport in. Now, I was very lucky actually getting through the airport. The queues coming in weren't that bad, although the queues seemed very chaotic. And I think that's kind of a function of you know uh, just the way things are and the way that the airport was laid out i have heard a lot of people talking about how it's taking them up to one to two hours to get through immigration and you know coming in and again the same time going out so it's also important to plan when you're arriving and leaving again allow yourself lots of time you know don't sort of arrange lots of things coming in that allow yourself time and it's one of those things that either does or it doesn't take you time but you just need to 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 ensure it so that's the key thing in terms of planning, getting in, um, flying in, the airport's out of town, and you know you, you kind of need to, 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 to make sure that you've allowed time for that. My second tip is when to go. Now, when to go varies a lot based on what you're looking for. So in summer, as I mentioned, it can be very, very hot. So the middle of summer gets incredibly hot and very warm and a little bit sticky. And in winter, it can be very cold, down to about minus 17 degrees Celsius. So you need to be incredibly kind of well-prepared and planned. I was actually there this time in winter. And the week before I went, it had been minus 17. And then there was kind of like almost a heat wave. And it was only minus six or something like that and was um, almost positively warm for for Russia. What was quite fun though is because I guess the place is used to cold, it didn't seem to, like some cities, grind to a halt through snow. They seemed pretty well prepared and I guess people are just used to the cold and they're very organized and very sorted. So that was pretty good, you know, because they're used to living in these kind of extremes. I do remember years ago saying that because of the central heating system, which was more centrally driven you know it was so efficient that almost bizarrely you'd almost have your windows open because it was so so efficient um because people are just so used to these terrible uh, terribly you know um minus temperatures and again on the plus side so like many places it's often a good idea to choose sort of you know spring and and, and autumn as, as the times the times to visit 
If you're visiting around Christmas time, it's also important to remember that they have a slightly later Christmas than, say, many parts of Western Europe or the, or the U.S. do. So, again, important in terms of checking public holidays because a lot of things close down, etc., as, as, as any more air does. So that's my second tip around where to go. The third thing I'd like to say, talk about, or my third tip is where to stay and the whole area of safety. Now, for some reason, I seem to have almost got a little bit kind of uh, spooked in terms of, of safety, just because the whole process you go through, and it's, as you come into the, into, into the airport, people are quite abrupt, and there's, there's a sense of abruptness. Um, it's kind of just a cultural, a style thing. And, and you know, you, especially when you're used to traveling in the US or Asia or whatever, where it's a much more chatty, uh, how you doing, kind of have a nice day sort of, you know, culture. <clears throat> you know, it's much more f- sort of not formal, but sort of offhand. And um, so that's, that throws you a little bit when you're kind of used to this sort of over-the-top uh, American or this very, you know, effusive um, Asian style. So I found it a little bit sort of, well, not abrasive, but just sort of a little bit offhand to, to, to a degree. Now, it is very important that you stay in a good quality hotel, and that you kind of invest in staying somewhere that's, um, you know, kind of organized and, and you know, reputable. It is expensive, as I already mentioned. It's important also in terms of, you know, getting around and stuff. All the hotels will offer, you know, pickups and limos and that kind of stuff. And that's, that's worth kind of following, particularly when you don't know the city. And, of course, for many people visiting from the West, you know, the, 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 the language, obviously, people, not unless you speak Russian, that's fine. But, it, you know, it, because it's not based on any of the Latin languages, particularly coming from Europe, you don't pick up a lot of the words. The sounds are very different. So I found, I felt, you know, it was much more alien than I'm kind of u- used to because the, the letters are very different, you know, with the, is it acrylic? Uh, uh, I can't pronounce it correctly, kind of um, alphabet and stuff. So you do feel a little bit lost as, as a, a little like a country bumpkin, if you like, going there. So you do get a sense of you need, it's good when you arrive at the airport, there's someone, to, you know, you've booked a cab or a limo or whatever from the hotel, just a sense of feeling a little bit safer, knowing what to do, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that, that, is, quite, that, that is quite important. Places are expensive. Hotels are expensive. Things in the hotel are very expensive. Eating in the hotels are very expensive, uh, incredibly expensive, and that's one of the things that you do need to do need to bear in mind. Yeah, you know, and you know, I guess in Moscow it's quite interesting actually because, as I mentioned earlier, there is clearly a lot of very wealthy people in Moscow, and um, it was quite interesting. Some of the places we went to, we went to some very nice restaurants, like a place called GQ, which was relatively near Red Square. Very beautiful, trendy, very funky restaurant, indeed. And it clearly had a lot of, you know, rich, beautiful people and rich, less beautiful people who were kind of very clearly there with bodyguards and whatnot. And when we left, you know, there was kind of people bustled out into cars, got bodyguards in front, bodyguards in back, and it was all kind of quite dramatic and whatever. But it actually made you feel a little bit unsafe in the sense of, oh, my goodness, these people seem to have a lot of visible security around them. So that, that kind of, that was quite, that was quite uh, unusual, a bit uh, Hollywood-like, not even Hollywood-like, it was a bit sort of glamour-like, but it was a little bit uh, scary as well. So it's funny how, I think, just a sense of alienness, and particularly maybe because I was there with American colleagues who seemed to be quite spooked by being in Russia, which was slightly bizarre, I think, a hangover from the old Cold War days, that I started feeling a little bit unsafe, and I'm, I'm not sure that's really very accurate, because in reality it's very safe, and we wandered around and had a great time. But where you stay is very important. That's the advice that I, I have been given, um, you know, from a lot of people. Now, in terms of getting around, I've already mentioned that it's it is a good idea. You know, the hotels offer drivers, um, 
cabs, that kind of stuff. So it's quite a good idea to, to, to book those and, you know, get around that way. Although one of the things that Moscow has always been famous for is the metro. And the Moscow metro in itself, and even guidebooks, will describe it as a attraction in itself. And it is, you know, a very easy way to get around the city. And, you know, it's designed in a very simple way. You've got these lines that cut across the city in pretty much every direction. Then there's a circular line which connects them all together. You know, they have their own name. They have the colors. And it, the, the name of every station is announced in a loudspeaker in the, in, in the cab. And when the train starts, it tells you the next stop. Now, of course, what you probably need to do, and I, you know, kind of had had to do when I looked at the map is because the sounds I didn't really, the sounds and the language are very alien um unfortunately and so you kind of it's a little bit about counting stops and and whatnot but the good news is you know the metros are quite stunning and some of the the metro stations are quite quite beautiful they are you know kind of works of art in themselves and the metro itself is very cheap it's 17 rubles no matter how long how many transfers you know you make so you know even if you get a little bit lost and you count your stops incorrectly you know, it's it's uh, you, you know, it's not an expensive uh, ordeal. The metro runs from about five thirty in the morning, you know, about six a.m. in the morning, runs to about one one a.m. So it runs for a pretty long time. So the metro is something worth thinking about, particularly because the traffic is so bad. And in, in, as I said, in, in its own right, it is it, it is it is an attraction, as it were, and and something certainly certainly to to think about. My next tip, which is the kind of my fifth tip which is sort of linked again to, to getting around, is it's not as easy as, as a foreigner because of language and signs and whatnot and traffic and all that sort of stuff to necessarily sort of, uh, you know, do it yourself, if you like. And one of the things that um, is probably to be recommended as my fifth tip is to actually go on an organized tour. Now, normally what I would suggest is kind of the open bus top tour type tours, but I didn't actually find one that does Moscow. I'm sure there may be one, and if you find one, let, let me know and I can add it to the show notes. So the best thing to do is to go on an organized tour. Now, there are many of these, and you can book them either through the concierge, or actually I found a couple through the magazine, the complete guide, the where. It's called where, like many uh, many uh, cities have, but most of the hotels will have the, the free where magazine. And it's called The Complete Guide to Go. And the website is www.wearemoscow.spn.ru. That's wearemoscow.spn.ru. And that was very good, actually. <clears throat> Tells you it, it's a great listings um, piece. And it's well worth grabbing one of those or using the printing stuff or from the site before you go. But anyway, I found a couple of very good tours. And, and, and these are to be recommended. You can do you can see most of the main sites. So if you're there on a, on a relatively short trip, a business trip, or you know, so you're there for a weekend or just have a, a day, you can actually, in about a two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour tour, you can get round and look, not actually obviously visit and, and see in detail, you know, sort of many of the critical uh, sites um, and most famous sites in the center of the city. But there's, 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 there's two kind of tour companies that are, are worth exploring, one of which is the uh, ABM Travel Excursion, Excursion Bureau. They do tours of Moscow. They also do actually other into other regions, uh, and they do lots of languages. But what they'll do is they visit the Red Square, they visit the Kremlin, they take you, you know, point out a couple of key museums and attractions. They go out to the memorial estates, and I'll talk about those a little bit later. They talk about the Metro and the Trinity Monastery, um, 
So those are some of the big the big kind of highlights, and you can find more about them at abm-travel.ru. That's abm-travel.ru. Well, the other one, which which uh, is also very very good, is the Excursion Bureau, and you can find them at moscow-excursion.ru. That's moscow-excursion.ru, and they do tours of Moscow, and they focus again on the Kremlin, the Armory, St. Basil's Cathedral some of the galleries, a little bit about the Metro, the Trinity Museum. And again, they do many languages. You can also get uh, theatre tickets and things through them. And they're, they're pretty good now. Uh, sort of a guided tour in your language of choice is, is a really good idea. They'll point out the main sites, they'll show you a little bit, and you'll get a sense then of deciding you know, what, you, what you wanted to go back and, and do in detail. But it's pretty good, particularly if you're looking to get you know, a couple of those kind of key tourist trophy shots, uh, as it were. Right, and so on to my sixth Tip. Now, my sixth tip is whether you do the tour or, or not, is probably the most important area to visit is the Red Square, Kremlin, St. Basil's Cathedral area. And it's it's in a sort of a, uh, they're all kind of connected and, and together, as it were. But, you know, this, the sort of Red Square, I call it the Red Square area, if you like. But this is the real heart of, of Moscow, I guess. And it's probably the most famous from a tourist perspective. And it really is well worth seeing. So you have the Kremlin, which of course everyone's heard of. And this is the central, actually, and the oldest part of Moscow. And it is very beautiful architectural you know, collection of buildings. So you've got fortress walls with towers around the Kremlin. They, they form kind of like a triangle. And on one side you've got the, the Moscow River. You've got Red Square and the Alexander Gardens. And the center of the Kremlin is, is the Cathedral Square. And you've got a couple of cathedrals in the famous bell tower of Ivan the Great, which was built in about 1508. It's about 81 meters high. But you've got all sorts of other bits and bits and pieces. You've got the Patrick Chambers, armories, all sorts of things. And it's really, really, really just, you know, that's that's critical part Kremlin. You can find out more at uh, kreml.ru. That's K-R-E-M-L.ru. Then obviously you've got sort of linked to that is Red Square. Now this is the the, the historical center of Moscow. It's very famous. You've heard of Red Square um, many many times, and I guess sort of going way back is when they used to have big um, uh, showpiece kind of marches and and processions and things through Red Square. But it is it is it's probably the famous part, and 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 it's you know you've got the Kremlin Wall, you've got St Basil's Cathedral, all the stuff I mentioned. But it's this huge big square surrounded by all these beautiful buildings. And you've got um, the Lenin Mausoleum. And, you know, actually in the, in the Kremlin Wall, you've got all urns holding ashes of prominent politicians from going way back, way back when. And it, it's an amazing place. You know, it's very buzzy. There's always people hanging out there. It, you know, it, it's, it's, it's great pictures, etc. Very, very interesting. And then you've got St. Basil's Cathedral, and this, as you know, it's 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 the famous landmark of Red Square. It's built about between 1555-1561. It was to commemorate the con conquest of the Kazan Khanate, which I'd never heard of either. Uh, it was it, it it was supposed to consist of eight churches, kind of standing around a central one, and they've got exhibitions in the vestry, open during the day. Very interesting, very very interesting. And then you've also got. Um, a little bit further away from, away from the triumphal, triumphal arch, which was a little bit out, out of town, which is devoted to Russia's victory of Napoleon in 1812, and you know that that's also worth seeing. And that's a little 
that's probably a little bit away from that's probably not really linked up but then you've got the you've got the, the 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 kremlin the red square st basil's cathedral is is really really just quite something to do the seventh tip i've got is around museums <clears throat> now moscow i think probably has more museums than you can possibly imagine and there are many 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 museums from the archaeology of moscow the armory and diamond fund um theater museums but i think the critical museums to see is the kremlin museums now the kremlin um has all within and i say museums because there are lots of different museums in there but they do have just amazing amazing stuff in there um they and, and they have these kind of featured exhibitions so they had things like creations from the imperial porcelain factory they had stuff from Russian patriarchs. They had paint, paintings from the time of Ivan the Terrible. And just all kind of amazing things uh, at the, the Kremlin Museum. And you can find about, more about the Kremlin Museum at Kreml, K-R-E-M-L dot R-U. The other museum that I think is really worth visiting is the Museum of the Moscow History, that which was very interesting. So it goes right through the 18th, the 19th, the 20th centuries. And it, it explains the whole history of Moscow, where it came from, etc. And you can find more at mosmuseum.ru. But there are just hundreds and hundreds of museums. And, you know, if you look at the where magazine you'll find you know just list after list after list so you can get everything from the russian accordion museum to furniture museum to horse breeding museum just amazing sort of stuff so museum you can you know if you're into museums you can do museums till you yeah, pass out the eighth tip then is around uh, kind of recreational areas the critical place you have to go of course is gorky park now you've probably all heard of gorky park this is a massive amusement park it, it's it's, it's near the Moscow River, and it's got all sorts of stuff in there. It's got a, a, a kind of a lunar park it's with Ferris wheels, restaurants, cafes. It's got, uh, you know, kind of a fitness center. It's got all sorts of stuff. And it's, and it's a very beautiful park. It's open from 11 o'clock in the morning to 9 o'clock at night. And, you know, it's part of the history, and, it's, and, and so it's a definite place to kind of go and visit. There is also, and I refer to it a little bit later, um, another place which is a little bit further out of town, although you you you, you kind of head out that way, is um, past Gorky Park and, and and much further on is a place called Victory Park, and that is worth going to, which is it's a very large World War Two memorial complex. It's got a 142 metre high Victory Monument, which is very beautiful. It's got the Church of St George the Victorious, it's synagogues, mosques, and then it's got the, the central, you know, it's got a museum of the 1941-1945 war. And then what I found fascinating, because I do find this fascinating, it, is it had an open-air display of, of various Soviet, um, you know, military machine um, um, vehicles, etc. So that's the Victory Park, and it's, it's, a, it's a massive area, and you've got, as I said, this, this beautiful complex, and that's really, that's really, really worth, uh, worth, worth viewing. So that's the eighth tip is kind of you know, the Gorky Park um, uh, and um, the Victory Park. Then my last tip really is around entertainment. Now, there's a couple of things which are sort of seem to be integral to Moscow. One of those is kind of the animal shows and circus. And, you know, you'll have seen, you know, there's always kind of the Moscow circus traveling. So it is worth going to see a circus if you want to. There's the Great Moscow Circus. Um, which is worth going to see in the famous Bolshoi Circus. So, and you can find more about that at 
bolshoicircus.ru. That's B-O-L-S-H-O-I-C-I-R-C-U-S.ru. Or, of course, the casino. There are um, some big entertainment centers and casinos dotted all around the city. And there's probably about 10 or 12 uh, really big ones. And, it's, you know, if that's your thing, it's also worth going to do. So just to recap on visiting Moscow, getting there, visas, lots of planning, when to go. It can be very cold in winter, very hot in summer. When you think of staying, you need to stay somewhere relatively, you know, upmarket. It is very expensive. It's the best thing to do. Getting around, traffic is really bad. Think about the metro, very cheap, very beautiful. Go on an organized tour in about two and a half, three, four hours. You can go to see all the, the, the main sites. If you're going to do stuff yourself, the Red Square with the Kremlin, etc., is is fantastic. Museums, there's more museums than you can possibly possibly think of, um, and they they are just incredible. But the Kremlin Museum is probably the most important to go to. In terms of parks, there's the Victory Park, and the very important you should go to Gorky Park. And then, of course, my last tip was the circus. So that's all I've got on tips for travelers about Moscow. Remember, if you visit the site tipsfortravelers.com where travelers are spelled with two L's, or the blog at mytravelreviews.blogspot.com, or also think about joining the Facebook. Just search for Tips for Travelers and join the Facebook group, or search for me, Gary Bembridge, on Facebook. You've been listening to Tips for Travelers, the global travel destination podcast. A new destination with first-hand based advice, recommendations, and tips is added each month. If you subscribe to the podcast, thanks for your support. If you don't, you may want to consider subscribing by searching Tips for Travellers or Gary Beveridge on iTunes or your favourite podcast directory. You can then subscribe to the Tips for Travellers Global Travel Destination audio podcast or the video podcast with hotel rooms and attractions. To find out more, visit tipsfortravellers.com where travellers is spelled the UK way with two L's or email me at gary at mytravelreviews.com. Co.uk.